Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa. I'm here with Mike Rowe, and uh, we are speaking under not the greatest of circumstances. Michael, hello. A lot has happened since uh, our last podcast we, we did together, although we recorded Friday just prior to all this news hitting and uh, recorded it. I started to edit it to get it ready to launch. Then uh, wife wanted to go to dinner, and by the time I got home, most of what we had recorded was no longer interesting because this new bombshell report had come out. And we'll talk about that. But uh, so we've and got it's the, probably our greatest podcast of all time, too. An hour and 45 minutes, an hour and a half of just amazing stuff that, you know, was out of the, out of the window within an hour. <laughs> unbeatable. We were, nope, we could never have topped it. We were so sharp and, and on point after a month off. All right, well, before we jump into some of these topics, um, I got to tell you, Mike and I are indulging in some Mighty River Brewing Company beers right now. Mike has got the Baja Raspberry Margarita Raspberry Sour, and I am uh, indulging in the wicked awesome New England IPA, and oh man, is it good. It's a perfect summertime beer. It's like this mild hoppy taste, but this like bold fruit, it's like grapefruit. It's got to be like this grapefruit taste. Mike, would you try yours? Uh, tell me, but um, it is so good. This beer is 6.7%, by the way, so a few of these and I'll be pretty good. But, Mike, how is your sour? I know you like sours. Yeah, so I got the Baja Raspberry Margarita Sour. I have to say it's solid, but it's not its not too tart where, where it's like a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's got a nice sour bite to it. Really tastes the raspberry flavor on it. So, yeah, it's solid. It's a, it's a it is a great summer beer, something perfect for whenever you're relaxing on your patio. Well, uh, owner Dan Miller was on last week as a guest on Brew Talk Radio up on uh, 1310 KFKA in northern Colorado. And he was talking about how business had been so good uh, prior to all this and the quarantine. Um, and obviously that's taken a huge hit since then. But uh, they're surviving. They got rules in place on how to keep everybody safe. They got more than a dozen beers. There's something like 15 beers on tap. There's fresh beers that they've got. Just amazing, delicious beers. They've got food trucks that, that come in almost every day. And on the days that they're not there, they got Pizza Vina next door to get you anything that you need from their menu. So check out MightyRiverBrewing.com for the food truck schedule and complete hours of operation. Owners Dan and Christine Miller are huge Ram fans, donors and longtime Ram Nationers, so please support them and Mighty River Brewing Company. Awesome, awesome people. For those of you interested, so I'm actually drinking out of a can, so they, they do canning there. Yep. They have 16-ounce cans. No, they also do crowlers as well, so uh, yeah, when, when, when you get there, there in Windsor, uh, stop by and hit them up. I mean, they got some great product. I was there a couple of weeks ago and even with the, like the social distancing with the tables kind of being you know, people six feet apart and, and kind of every other table there and they got a great space on the patio. It's still a great environment. You know, they'll have live music. They've got open air. It's a cool, cool place. So highly encourage all your Ram fans to get there uh, and they, and they help us out tremendously every month. So uh, Mike, I guess let's start at uh, the report that uh, started with quotes from Anthony Hill in ESPN, or actually started with uh, Joe Parker coming out with a statement, then ESPN came out with a, a story that had quotes attributed to Anthony Hill, which were not flattering against Joe Parker, Coach Steve Adazio, and the program in general. And then Sunday was the, the full-on report from the Colorado, which sparked uh, all of this, I think, knowing that that was coming. And then we have uh, equally bad news that um, well, first, the MAC canceled their season. Then the Big Ten, the Mountain West, came out in the same day and canceled their season. Pac-12 just announced uh, Tuesday. Uh, ACC and Big 12 and SEC are holding out. Uh, I would love to see them try to play and stick a big finger up to everyone and just say this could have been done. Uh, although, I suspect even if they are going to start, they, they may not finish. But anyway, we'll talk about that. We've lost the the goodwill of our program. We've looked like crap in front of the whole country for a variety of reasons. The first, the COVID report came out that we were mishandling COVID protocols. And then the, uh, the blast on the athletic department and Joe Parker came out and now we've got no football season. Uh, who knows what will happen with basketball. So it's just not, uh, this has been the absolute worst year that I've known in my, my 47 years of life. 
Yeah, it's it's been uh it's been difficult on in every aspect of, of your life, but I mean looking at it strictly a sports sense, yeah, I mean it's we've had nothing since March. You know, uh at, at the collegiate levels, I mean since yep. we are doing Ram Nation at uh since the Mountain West tournament, we've been void of a lot of uh Ram sports, Rams Rams athletics and unfortunately you know, unfortunately, the only thing that we're getting in the news right now is uh, is not positive. With football being canceled, uh, and you've got these three holdouts, ACC says they're going to do everything that they can, can to, to follow their plan of playing this year. SEC is kind of the same. Big 12, I haven't seen a lot of statements out of them, but they, it seems like their intention is to try to play. Um, do you think – and what what would that even look like? I mean, how do you have – three conferences play and nobody else play. I guess you just, are you just playing for a conference championship? Would there be bowl games? Obviously there's not going to be a playoff. Um, how do you have bowl games? Uh, what would that look like? Do you just mix and match, uh, pick your own matchups? I mean, the NCAA has been a no-show. There's no leadership whatsoever coming out of that, but unify what the decision should have been um, to kind of set some, some tentative plans in place. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, the wording of our cancellation is said it's a postponement rather than a cancellation uh, with intentions of trying to play in the spring. But that opens up a lot of, a lot of issues there. Um, for one, is, are things going to be better by then? Any drastically better where, where we're not dealing with the same issue then? Uh, and then we do just flat out cancel? You know, it's, it is difficult in you know, I wish I got paid four million a year to not have to make any decisions like uh, like the NCAA president. Uh, yeah, there's just zero central leadership, so it's turning into every like every conference for themselves, every school for themselves, and you're seeing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost exactly what we see in the United States. You, you know, have you have your Sun Belt schools, your Southern schools, Texas, um, who are, you know what, screw masks, we don't need to shut down anything. And it's translating into, you know, we're going to play, we're going to play no matter what, we're just going to play. And then we have where there's more stringent, you know, requirements to try to flatten this curve. And those are like the conferences that are saying, you know what, we're going to postpone. Um, and it, it, there's just no central, central focus guidance at all to, to help us help them walk through, you know, what steps we needed to take. You know, again, I, I, I look, I've been watching since May, I've been watching European soccer. Um, and it's been working. You know, the players are in bubbles. They, they're playing in, in empty stadiums. Uh, they have the testing. And it's working. Players aren't aren't testing positive. They're getting the matches in. I mean, all the all the major European leagues just ended two weeks ago. Uh, now they're even playing uh, the champions in, in Europa um, tournaments, which are all over the all over the 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 continent, and they're making it work. Um, you look at the MLS. The MLS, they all went. Teams were quarantined for two weeks before they even started playing. I mean, Nashville, they didn't even allow Nashville FC in because a number of their players tested positive. So they didn't allow them in the MLS tournament. But they just they just completed their, uh, their month and a half long tournament last night. You got the NBA, which is, is showing that it's working great outside of one uh, trip to the uh, strip club by, by a player to get some chicken wings. You know, <laughs> NHL, NHL's working in, in Edmonton, in Canada. Uh, same thing, they're all, they're all, you know, bubbled in. The women's professional uh, soccer league, that worked. You had uh, WNBA, that's working. Uh, MLB's starting to get it, even though the Cardinals can't get their act together. Uh, but it, it can work, but you have to have 
everybody following the same the same guidelines, everybody following the same steps. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I, I, I'm enjoying seeing with the, uh, the Mountain West Unite and the, the you know, the Pac-12 Unite and, and all these players that are, are asking for some uniformity. Because I think it can happen if you have that across the board, but we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that with, with the conferences. We're not seeing that with schools and we're not seeing that with the NCAA. Man, any other circumstance watching this basketball, watching baseball, watching um, hockey without fans and even golf is just a little strange. It just wouldn't cut it, but we're so starved for some sports that I've been eating up watching the Nugs, uh, watching the five overtime hockey game last night. You know, it's even without fans, there's still that competition that we, we come to love. Um, you know, obviously there's there's a huge financial ramifications for everyone here. And you wonder if, you know, these SEC schools, these power five schools that stand so much to lose, yes, CSU and, and the Mountain West are going to lose a lot, a lot of money and it's going to hurt us bad. But the amount of money that these other schools have and uh, allocate for their athletic budget is just astronomical. And to not have revenue coming in is going to really pinch them probably more than it does us. Granted, they probably have more in their savings coffers than we do. But, you know, I saw um, uh, West Virginia's athletic director came out and said, if football and men's basketball are canceled, they will lose $65 million this year. So if, if they get all 10 football games, even without fans, and they'll have, I guess, TV money, I don't know how, that, what, how that's all going to work, but they said they'll still be in the red by $18 million. Um, if they play 10 football games, but that's a lot better than 65 on So I think that's why you see the SEC, ACC, Big 12 still holding out hope that they can somewhat salvage this, this disaster. And then, and then you've got outliers like Nebraska who are vowing to do whatever it takes to play. Um, you know, as part of the Big 10 that just canceled, they're like, well, we're, we're going to find out what's best for us. And if that means, you know, joining another conference for a year or putting together our own schedule, so be it. And then the Big Ten commish came out and kind of hand slapped him and like, no, you won't be doing that as a member of the Big Ten. So, you know, yeah. is, is this have ramifications of their, their membership in the Big Ten if they continue to pursue that? I don't know. But I don't know, Mike, I, I, did it have to come to this? I mean, do you feel like this is a little bit uh, chicken little or could this have been done? I, you talked about those, those, those sports that are succeeding right now because of the bubble. You can't do that in college sports, obviously. Um, these, are, these are amateur student athletes that, that you can't expect to, to live in a, in a bubble. Say you stick them all in a dorm and don't allow them to leave for, for three months. That's just, un, you can do that. So, um, but do you think that this needed to happen? I, I, to me, I think it could have happened. I think that the, the driving force is legal reasons, right? That these conferences are looking at well, one, look, look no further than, than our own uh, group at CSU that came out with the, the statement that, um, and it was at the all, was it all the Mountain West that came out with a statement that said, look, we want to rip up. Uh, they made all their demands, came out last week, and then one of those demands, and then they're all very reasonable demands, but one of them was, we want to rip up our, our waivers, you know, and put the onus on you guys to keep us safe. Well, if you want to rip up the waivers, that's basically saying that you would still hold the school, conference, whatever, liable if there's a break, an outbreak. And these schools are like, look, we can't guarantee that you're not going to get COVID. We yeah. can't guarantee that something bad's going to happen. We want to play because we want to, you guys to play. You guys want to play so badly, but you're kind of, there's a, there's a, there's a mixed signal there when you're saying we'll do, we want to play is do anything possible to play, but we need you to rip up those waivers. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I think that it, the last resort that he could have come up with is maybe say, look, we know that the majority of you want to play. We also understand that some of you are leery of playing and we don't blame you at all. You will keep your scholarship. You will keep your eligibility. Sounds like the, the, NCAA has said that would be the case and schools I think would honor the scholarship. So let the ones, the, the people that want to sign a waiver and play and make sure that they get to play this year, let's try it. The ones that want to sit out, fine. But to just pull the plug entirely, I, I don't know. I, 
I'm speaking from a fan standpoint, but I also know that that this takes away money. This takes away funding of all the other sports as well. So we're thinking about the, the tragedy that's football, but all the other sports on campus are going to suffer as well. So I don't know. I feel like there could have been something done. I wish there would have been leadership at the NCAA level to say this is what we're going to do, but obviously no one could come to a consensus and people in their own conference can't even. I mean, you said it to me, it's they're trying to cover their ass in two different ways. One by canceling it, then they could go back to, well, it's amateur athletics. They're not professionals. Uh, we're not doing this to make money, which is such a load of garbage because that's what it's all about. That's the only thing that it's about uh, from conference, from the NCAA is it's to make money. And uh, by doing this, it still gives the general public the illusion that it's amateur athletics and that these young men and women are student athletes, student first. So they can point to that. Well, you know, we're trying to keep them safe. That's the main thing. You know, we want them to go to school. That's the main thing when it, when it's not the truth, but they're looking like the, the good guys. The other one is, you know, the big 10 flat out came expressed that they're worried about the potential heart damage that's coming down with COVID-19 can give you in the future. And so, I mean, look at all the recent research and, you know, controversy around concussions, around CTE, and how that, how that has changed uh, American football so much within the last five years. I mean, what's this going to happen? You know, you could say that, you know, uh, you know, the kids are strong. Most of them are asymptomatic. Uh, they don't get sick, but we don't know. That's why it's called a novel virus is, is we just don't know. And so I could see them covering their butts now so that you don't get a population who, who, who might contract it and then in five years have a heart issue or lung issue and then come back on the charter schools the conferences and or the NCAA and saying, well, you know, you guys had us play and now now we're sick five years later, we're going to sue you. So yeah. I think the schools and the conferences that are postponing, that's what they're looking at. And when you look at the SEC, you know, I don't think that they are too worried about hiding the fact that they're, they haven't been amateur athletics for a long time. I mean, Joe Burrow didn't even attend one class last year at LSU in person. Uh, most, most, of the, most of the athletes there don't. They, everything's online. So they're not truly student athletes. I mean, they, they're athletes that might have a class. And so they're like, well, you know, we're already doing it anyway. Let's play. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I'm viewing that. And, and, and again, with kind of the splits between the two, uh, the not playing and, and let's play. Uh, that's good stuff. So I was saying that I I'd much rather see that we have a chance at a spring season than a complete cancellation at all. But obviously that opens up issues with eligibility. Um, it opens up, you know, well, you got you got guys that might not play, like Warren Jackson, who is likely to be drafted. Right? Does he want to play a season at that point and risk injury? So you got you got those kind of issues. Um, then you've got the the fact that I saw pretty compelling argument by Reese Davies on ESPN last night, say that you know you expect these kids to play. Uh, whatever the, the season lo would look like in the spring, even if it's just a conference season, is that nine games, 10 games, whatever. Um, and then what, you, you take a couple months off before fall camp. Um, he was calling flat out, that's an irresp irresponsible move by, by these conferences, uh, not taking into account player safety um, to play that many games in basically what would amount to like 10 months of each other. Um, you had Joel Klatt, um, I, I don't know if you saw this video that he tweeted out that he, he put on YouTube, but it was a 10 minute video that he basically gave a bunch of reasons why football in the fall should have been, should be the, the logical conclusion. 
Um, he, he was arguing that's the safest, the safest place for players to be. You're in a controlled environment. You're constantly getting tested. Obviously, not having football and just being a student doesn't make you any less um, at risk for this. So um, why is it assumed that they're going to be any safer not playing football? So he, he had some great points. Um, but, but playing in the spring, obviously, is going to have some challenges. Um, do you see... Do you see transfers? Do we see transfers from our, 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 I don't know if that would even happen because to transfer now to try to play this ball, that's, that's not, that's not really going to happen. But I think there's a lot of different issues that could happen by, by moving to the spring. A lot of things would have to be figured out. And I almost think that part of me thinks, let's just say that we're moving to the spring, even though it's maybe a five, 10% chance that we can even play in the spring anyway. And that way they hold on to ticket, you know, the ticket money that came in, the donations that, that came in along with the tickets um, to minimize the, the financial impact. I don't blame them for that. I mean, what would you do with your ticket money right now? You know, right now what we're looking at is, well, we need, we want to find out what they're planning on doing with the porch yep. uh, donations. We have a hefty chunk of money with, with that, with those donations. We'll roll them over. Uh, until next year, as, as far as the season tickets are concerned, um, and parking, we'll roll that over to to 2021. Um, our biggest thing is is the the donation piece because tickets are one thing. The donation is is something a little bit different, especially if it's if it's a product that w that we won't ever receive. Mm -hmm. um, and and we're kind of kicking around the idea of floating three of our season tickets for football into basketball in the hopes that that we're in Moby uh, in in the spring. So, so I mean that's kind of what we're looking at. And, and but uh, you know I agree with your point. I think that the the again it's, it's the the facade that hell you know we're doing this not because of the money reasons. But I think they are pushing it back because of the money reasons, trying to give us six months to figure this out so that fans could get in. Kind of what you were what you were saying, you know, even if it's a, a reduced capacity. Mm -hmm. But being able to have that in the spring. If there is a spring season, I think you're going to have to to look at as far as the spring of, of 21 and then the fall of 21 is to – reduced schedules i'm thinking it has to be almost six six in the spring six games in the springs uh and then eight eight in the in the fall and then that gives you a chance for to have that that break in between and, and that's 14 games which i mean i think lsu last year played 16 didn't they yep i believe so yeah because they played the, their schedule, then they played the conference championship, then they played two playoff games. Yeah. 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 And so, um, or 15, 16. So, 15. That, so that, that, that kind of puts you in the, in that range um, of about 15, 15 games within a, a year span. So again, that's something that I, the NCAA needs to step in and, and, and figure this out. They need to step in and, and provide leadership so that we get everybody on board. So you, it, we're not splitting because I mean, I, I truly see this as something that's going to break up college football as far as the haves and the power five and the have nots in the power five and then the haves in the, in the G five and the have nots in the, in the G five. And I can, and I can see something almost like an NFL type, with the top programs, those logo schools, and then the top of Power Five, or sorry, the top of G5 and, and the bottom of Power Five, having that mid-tier league comp, whatever, and then the the bottom of the power of the G5 going into FCS or combining that into another league. So, and, and until there's some leadership, I mean, I just see everything splitting up to start going that direction. Well, it's a shame because, I mean, you, you, they're 
you imagine there's going to be at least a couple casualties of this from a football program standpoint, don't you think? I mean, then you've got the, we've already seen schools cutting either Olympic sport programs, the non-revenue sports. I mean, Stanford cut how many? 11? Yes, I think so. <laughs> I mean, granted, they had probably three times as many sports, sponsored sports as CSU did, but. Um, but, you know, Boise State, looking in, looking in ours, you know, Boise State dropped their baseball program. Yep. Uh, I know, oh man, there's another school dropped their wrestling program. And I'm, I'm kind of spacing that. But, you know, that's that's kind of the reality of it. You know, you look at a, a school like San Jose State who, my gosh, I mean, I see, I saw bigger crowds when I was coaching football <laughs> in Inglewood, you know, than, than what you see at, at those San Jose State football games. And then, and then their basketball games are even worse. I mean, that looks like middle school girls basketball. So you look, you look at that and, and you start to wonder, like, do they belong in, in Division I athletics? Again, I, I, if, if, I don't, if there's no leadership coming, I, I see that that's the direction that, that this is going to go and, and this is going to be that catalyst. Well, it sure seems like, I mean, you look at, maybe we can get a college basketball season, but – I, I personally think they're on the clock next. You know, I don't see how they're going to let them play if football wasn't allowed to play. So very depressing, extremely depressing, uh, especially when we had one of our best schedules ever. A lot of great road trips that we were planning on in conference and out of conference. We had CU coming to our campus. It's all a shame. I don't know if, if this was pushed to spring, if it would allow, you know, if it would just be a conference schedule, partial conference schedule, will we get a, uh, opportunity to play a non-conference game or two maybe that opens up the opportunity to play CU again doubtful but um, I don't know man it's uh it's really brought me down and then uh, that came on the heels of this other topic that we need to get on here what did you think about the allegations I guess to to reset it a little bit on Friday Bill Parker came out with a, a statement that said that they have become aware of some allegations of racism and verbal abuse in, in our program and our athletic department. And we need to pause all football until we can get to the bottom of this. We're going to conduct an investigation, all that. So everyone's heard that. And then the story came out where uh, from ESPN on Friday evening came out with a story that quoted Anthony Hill. And you and I had both known Anthony was a little disgruntled. Um, we knew that he had had some beef with the athletic department, Joe Parker, whatever. We knew that he didn't really want to speak of it when we first tried to get him on the podcast uh, back in April. But he, I mean, he seemed like, look, I, I, I don't take pleasure in this. I, I do have this, these details, the story, but I, I don't really necessarily want to go public with it. And he certainly wasn't ready to then. And then the story came out on Friday night. And I was like, geez, Anthony was really ready to tell a story, I suppose. So I texted him and I'm like, dude, look, I guess you were ready to tell your story. And he, he responded right back is actually, no, I wasn't. I, I wasn't planning on this. They actually contacted me as part of another story. Um, so then because he had, they'd said, we have these allegations. And I, I don't really know the background of how ESPN knew to contact him. Maybe they had gotten wind of these letters that had gone out uh, back in uh, January, February, March, and the responses from Joe Parker. But anyway, um, Anthony basically has claimed that Joe Parker has not listened to multiple, uh, well, didn't, didn't listen to his advice on the coaching search. Uh, Anthony brought up concerns that he had in the program under Bobo, as well as things that he's starting to see under Adazio. This is back when Anthony was a, a coach for about a month and a half under Adazio. And so he, uh, he's not, his, his side of the story has now come out, uh, along with a pretty scathing story that came out in Colorado. And I will say that some of the allegations in that story were, eh, uh, you know, probably some stuff that goes around, goes, goes on uh, all campuses across the country. But there were some pretty scathing things. I think uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart was a, was a pretty credible voice in all this. I don't see any reason for him to make up uh, the opinions that he had and some of the things that he's witnessed. Um, there was up to 20 sources that they had quoted, uh, some anonymously, some by name. Um, but uh, in general, I know that Ram fans, a lot of Ram fans have come and spoken out against Anthony. 
Um, they're on the side of defending their, their football program and their school. Um, and I totally understand that. I can see where you would think that this is born out of some sour grapes. Maybe some of it is. I mean, there is some human nature involved, but I can't just dismiss this as sour grapes when you've got a variety of other sources that are claiming similar issues, not the same issues, but similar things, and that it's worth investigating. Um, was there some sour grapes? I, I have no question there probably is some, some level of that, but I also don't peg Anthony um, as someone who really wants to tear down his university just for the sake, just for the sake of him not getting the job that he wanted or getting the salary that he wanted. And, uh, you know, he knew that there was going to be fallout and I don't think he took that lightly. Uh, I think he truly wants to see change. He doesn't believe Joe Park is the right guy uh, for a variety of reasons. And what sucks to me, and I'm sure you feel the same, Mike, is that we both like guys on both sides of the fence here. Um, I've had nothing but positive experiences with Joe. I've never seen anything out of, uh, out of place with Joe. Um, and likewise, I've always thought, uh, well, and he, he's very, you know, he seems like a very straight, straight forward, um, honest guy. Uh, and so has Anthony, but now we've got issues on both sides here and, and it, it's, it's sad. So um, I got other thoughts there, but I'll let you. You know, and I, and I brought this up, I brought this up on the message board. Anthony and I have a lot of mutual friends. I don't know him that well. I know if we ran into each other, we'd know each other's names and be able to say hi and all that. Uh, we had a class together back in 94. I've hung out a few times at different, you know, CSU functions and then, and then that podcast. So anything I say, it's, it's not just um, blindly sticking up for, for a good buddy of mine. Um, again, I like him. I have a lot of respect for him. He bleeds green and gold. And but you're right. I mean, I like Joe Parker. Him and his wife have been great to Tracy and I and Willow. And and uh, he's always willing to talk, talk about CSU uh, or just talk about life. Like he's a good guy. And, you know, and over, you know, over the last few months during this, you know, I've really gotten to know Coach White, the uh, – associate head coach for CSU, the running backs coach. And, and, you know, him and I talk and text and mostly about cooking, but, you know, I, I, I like him a lot too. And the bad thing about this is no one's going to come out of it without having some stank on him. I mean, it's just, it's kind of getting an ugly thing for everybody. But I do want to say, and I get it, we're fans. You know, fans are short for fanatics. You know, we see it like in the professional level, you love a guy and then in the off season, he signs a bigger contract, free agent contract with a team, your rival. And now that guy's the, the biggest loser on the world. Like he's a horrible human being and, and you can't stand him and you never liked him really and all this. Well, that's what we're seeing with Anthony and, and that breaks my heart. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, one of the dumbest things I read on Ram Nation was somebody saying, well, you know, he just doesn't know what it's like to play for a hard-nosed coach, you know, in the Earl Bruce, Urban Meyer, Steve Adazio vein. And I'm like, you idiot. He played for freaking Earl Bruce. He was recruited by him. He played for him as a freshman and sophomore. I'm like, oh my gosh, he was with him for three years as a red shirt and then, and then two seasons. He started for him. Like he knows, he told he told the story about how Earl Earl only called quarterbacks by their numbers until they started making plays, and he was either hey number fourteen or hey quarterback until he started making those plays, and then he started calling them Hill. You know, I'm, I, it's just you, I'm just you just read so many bad things, and I'm like, this guy he bled like he bled his actual blood for CSU. He has busted his butt. I mean, gosh, you saw it salary in that letter it wasn't like he was doing this because he was making hundreds of thousands of dollars for CSU I mean he was putting in work because he loves CSU and uh just to read some of the the vitriol is just it's horrible and and CSU fans I, I mean you need to take a step back and and really look at yourself when when you say something about somebody who is a CSU Ram through and through 
and has been since he was 18 years old. And I agree, Mike. One of the things that when I, it was funny because I was digesting all this stuff happened and I'm like, I wonder, and Anthony, it texted me back and said, you know, I really wasn't ready to share my story, but it happened. They contacted me and I'm like, then I, all these questions start brewing. And then I started seeing like commentary on Ram Nation. I'm like, you know what? I could just call him. I could just call him and see where he's coming from. Right. So, um, and that's how that, that uh, conversation happened with, we did the podcast on um, Sunday, uh, Saturday, whenever I released that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to kind of bring to light because he did make some comments or it seemed to me a leap. So when you say that he saw some racial insensitivities with under Bobo, and then he said, I started seeing the same thing start to happen with this program, or he was worried about the same thing happening under Adazio. I thought that that was a leap without hearing any specifics. And so I wanted to hear specifics from him. He didn't share any specifics because the story was coming out. Uh, he didn't want to speak before the story came out. Uh, I don't know if they'd asked him not to. I don't know. But um, the story, were there some things in there about Adazio? Maybe. Um, yes, calling a kid an effing douchebag um, is not good. Screaming at him until he cries, not good. That's happened since the beginning of time with football coaches. Is it great? No. Is it fireable? Is it punishable? I doubt it. The other stuff with... Um, his, this is one person's impression of what he thought Adazio felt about the Black Lives Matter movement. He called it a crock of shit. It wasn't a direct quote, but it was this person's opinion that this is how Adazio felt about the movement. And then it talked about how he didn't want them to wear certain shirts or have signs in this march. It's one anonymous source that made that comment. It was supposedly a, a coach, an actual current coach, I think, right? This is what the story said. Yeah. And honestly speaking. Somebody on staff. Right. Somebody on staff. So it's one person making that claim. Um, I don't know if that's, if no one's corroborating that, I don't know. I, I, I don't see, personally, I didn't see anything to link up the two from a racial standpoint. Um, and I think Anthony kind of backtracked on that when I spoke to him. He said, I, I don't have any specific examples. I just, and I just have, my what I've surmised over things that I've seen, um, the way that he treated people, blah blah blah. So, I personally think, look, did a lot of the former players that Anthony Hill truly want to see Tony Alford be the next coach? One hundred percent, they all did, right? Most most of us would have would have loved to have seen Tony Alford. I would have had no problem. I would have would have been great, right? I can also see why. Joe Parker, uh, you know, who wanted he, he felt like this program had the pieces in place to, to win fairly immediately with the right guy in place. Does he want a, a coach that has never been a head coach uh, to kind of learn uh, on duty? Maybe that's why he said we, we are putting a high premium on we want to go after somebody that's previous coaching experience. I don't have a problem with that. But I know that a lot of former players are upset that Tony Alford didn't get the job. I'm sure Anthony was as well, but I don't, and I, and I, and I, and I certainly think that's why a lot of these guys are not giving coach Adazio a chance. I, for one, without, until I hear more than what came out and maybe the investigation will bring some of this out. I don't think, I don't necessarily think that it's fair to lump coach Adazio or any of the staff in on that. And unless I see something, something else um, that's corroborated, that's, that's in this investigative report and backed and known to be true. So um, is everything that Anthony Hill said true? Maybe. Is, is, uh, is everything that came out in that report true? Maybe. Uh, I don't know why someone would lie about it. Reprimand him for anything that he did. I, I don't, I, I, I just feel like we have completely set up this staff for failure now. Um, and I don't think that's, that's necessarily right. Are there issues in our athletic department need to be fixed? Yes. And, as someone who likes Joe Parker, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really brutal for him right now. Um, I think his job would probably be, be the one that is most in jeopardy, I guess, at this point, because he's oversaw uh, the issues with Eustachy. Um, he's the one who hired Adazio. 
Uh, he's the one who gave the extension to Bobo that had some issues now that we're finding out in, in the program. You know, it's all happening under his watch and whether he purposefully ignored it or allowed it to happen, I don't know, but it did happen under his watch. So I think at the end of the day, it could be argued that he would be a fall guy. Um, no, so. I, you know, I agree. You know, one of the things about this, you look at what, what Anthony said, it's almost, you got to break it up in, into two, two parts, the five years during Mike Bobo's tenure. And then, you know, basically since December, almost from the beginning, we heard rumblings about just stuff going on inside the, the football program. You know, I know I heard things from, from people who I trust about, you know, just a toxic environment, how racial things were being said. And, and I mean, this is, this is from the start, from 2015, about how just there's just a lot of, like, favoritism going on. I mean, you look at the way the Hunter Donnelly and Braylon Scott situation happened. Braylon Scott literally stole from Hunter Donnelly, tried to sell it on, on Craigslist, and, and Donnelly was the one booted from the program, <laughs> and, and Scott remained. He was suspended, but then he was able to come back to the team. And, and you wonder, like, well, how did that even happen, you know? And then – you know, the last year since since we moved to the new stadium, a lot of fans, a lot of, of people on Ram Nation were talking about the stuff that they would hear from the OCR club, <laughs> direct from coaches' mouths. It was just, you just, there's too many bad things going on, too many people hearing this. And again, where, there, where there's smoke, there's fire. And then for, for Anthony to come out and basically back up everything that we were hearing you got to take you got to take his word for that but then and this is where I disagree with Anthony you know you can't project that on another staff when you haven't been around him I mean he said that it wasn't Adazio that fired him it was it was Joe Parker who fired him and then he talked about how Adazio actually offered him you know, a, a job and, and, and a way for him to, to kind of learn, learn on, the, on the clock so he could get back on the field as, as a coach and, you know, and he turned that down. And it's, it's difficult. Like, I don't know how you can project that onto the new staff. And I don't think that's fair to project that onto the new staff. Um, I, think, I think where some of that comes from, I mean, I, Anthony says, and I don't know the particulars, but he said that he brought something to the attention of Coach Adazio, something he was wanting to talk about, some issue, uh, and it was blown off by Adazio. I think that's where a lot of it stems. Maybe that was the first red flag for him. Um, he said that he saw some, you know, uh, he witnessed the way that he interacted with some grad assistants, um, some comments that he said that was also in the, in the article. So I think he was starting to see those kind of things where he wasn't willing to necessarily listen to some concerns that Anthony brought up, uh, seeing the way that he was verbally treating some other people. Um, you know, and then obviously Anthony already had some preconceived notions. He wasn't the guy that he wanted to be hired. Um, and I think that all those things, all those factors combined probably are what led Anthony to say, look, this is probably going the wrong way with this staff. Um, so, and combined with everything else that, you know, he brought some issues up to Joe Parker that he feels were not listened to and his input wasn't listened to on the coaching uh, search and all those things combined. I think Anthony basically, you know, that's where, that's where his discontent is, is lying. But I agree that, you know, if there's a couple things that rubbed in the wrong way, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the, the, the hire was wrong or that, the environment under this new staff is going to be wrong. Um, you know, and I asked him about that. I asked him, how, how can you come to this conclusion when no one else is, you know, the, he's got so much support among current players in the, in the program that are really speaking out saying, look, he's really creating this family environment. Uh, he's really turning us around from a culture standpoint, those kind of things. And, and a lot of people have said that we don't see anything that, that you've witnessed as far as, you know, verbal 
denigration or uh, race, racial insensitivities, things like that. You know, he basically chalked it up to, you know, it's a large team. Not everyone sees the same things. Um, he also thought that, you know, these guys want to play really bad and uh, no one's going to want to speak out publicly as a, as a current player. So I, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate for everyone. I, I don't think anyone wins here. Anthony's not going to win. School doesn't win. Uh, the coaching staff's not going to win. Joe Parker's not going to win. I mean, we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for this investigation to come up. Who knows what that's going to turn up. Uh, this is not where I expected this program to be, quite honestly. When we looked uh, just how many years ago at this new stadium, we had Jack Ram kind of leading the way with uh, really firing people up with the direction of things were going. We had a new stadium. Uh, we were coming off McElwain. And then Bobo comes in. We just crapped the bed for four, five years under him. Uh, we can't even sell out our brand new stadium. And now we've got, uh, I think CSU is one of the few schools or one of a, a list of schools that has never had a major violation. And not that these classify as major violations, but we're, we're now in the news for all the wrong reasons. And it's uh, very unfortunate. I think everything that you just said is, you know, a reason why Tony Alford did not get the job. We had a lot of stuff going. And we hired a new coach, somebody that didn't have much experience outside of just one school in Georgia from playing to coaching. And we had a team in 2015 that had a chance to win more games. I know you and I were talking, you know, I truly believe if, if McElwain would have been back in, in 2015, we win 10 games. You know, we don't lose that overtime game to Minnesota. We don't lose that overtime game to CU that, that next week. You know, those are those are games that, that we lost because we had somebody learning on the job. And, I mean, we might not see it, but I think we have the talent this year to win a lot of games. And to have somebody come in and do the same thing, having to learn on the job, I, I, I think that was just a – it would have been a tough time to bring in somebody who, who I mean, hadn't even been a coordinator. Um, I'm not saying there were, there were racist reasons why Tony wasn't hired, but it goes back to the fact that, you know, here is a black man who has pedigree, who played at CSU, who coached under some great head coaches, at Notre Dame, at Ohio State. And if he's not good enough now, then when are we going to have a black coach that's good enough to be the head coach at CSU? You know, in the last 25 years, I can think of two head coaches in any sport that were black. Um, we had Richie McKay in basketball and then – I mean, and I'm including cheerleading where our, our current coach is an African-American woman, you know? So it's, it's one of those, well, when will it ever happen? I mean, if Tony's not good enough now, who is going to be good enough? But again, it goes back to, I don't think, I, I think a coach like Coach Adazio can win a lot of games with the talent because he's been there before. I mean, he did that when he took over at Temple. When when Golden left to Miami, they had a lot of talent coming back, and they won, they won 10 games. And I think that, that that's extremely possible if and when CSU has their next season under Coach Adazio. So it's, it's just a, it's a difficult situ situation all around, and, and, and you hope – I mean, we'll get out of it. We, I mean, everyone said the same thing in, in 90, 92 when Earl Bruce was fired. <laughs> you know, who's this, who's this Lubbock guy coming in? Like, what? <laughs> this guy was the offensive coordinator on CSU, won one game <laughs> in back-to-back -back years. This guy's horrible. And then he turned out to be, you know, the greatest coach in, in, in CSU history and, and completely turned around the program. So – I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's difficult. And hopefully things 
with this investigation, they come out and, and, and it's not as bad as, as we suspect. That's what, uh, that's what we all hope, Michael. And, um, I, I don't even know what to hope for quite honestly, if there are truly issues in the program, obviously we want that fixed, right? There were enough people that spoke out on the record and even off the record uh, or anonymously that, that felt that the story needed to be shared. If it's, if there's truly a systematic issue going on in the athletic department, as sucky as this is, I want it fixed. And that's the good that can come out of it. If, uh, if our coaching staff or current coaching staff is exonerated, uh, great. If Joe Parker is retained and he realizes that, you know what, I, I maybe I, I need to pay closer attention to what's going on in my programs because there's been there's there have been some issues that have been brought to light, then maybe he makes those corrections going forward. Um, you know, and and for Anthony, I, I hope that he, you know, can find peace at some point with all this and um, hope he gets another opportunity to coach somewhere and find a job right now. He's not working. So anyway, bud, uh, good, good talking through some of this stuff. It's therapy. And, uh, I know there's a lot more to, to say on this. Um, we're, we're approaching an hour again. So let's, uh, let's, uh, conclude for today and, um, and we'll, uh, we'll touch base again here in another week or so. Yeah, no, it sounds good. I know that <laughs> I'm sure more stuff will be coming out over the next few days that so we'll have plenty to talk about. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to our next meeting. So, yeah. And I guess, you know, people have said this, but I guess if there was ever a time for the cancellation or these allegations to come out, I mean, I guess it's, it's, maybe it's a good thing that we're not playing a season and we can, we can fo focus on cleaning up our, our mess here and get things squared away for, for next year. So. Exactly. Exactly. These, these next few months might be, uh, might be good for, you know, CSU athletics to, to kind of heal from all the damage that has happened over the last four or five years. Before we sign off, I want to let everybody know that Ginger and Baker is, has finally reopened the cash restaurant and uh, they will be serving cash food up on the rooftop. So they're open Thursday to Saturday, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Seating is limited, so give them a call at 970-223-7437 to reserve your spot to make sure you don't show up and, and uh, get shut out there. But uh, they also obviously have the cafe and the market and bakery and coffee shop open. Uh, those are open Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. You can also order takeout from the cafe and bakery as well as those mix and match plans talked about over the recent weeks which allow you to basically say hey i want three meals i want a full week of meals and they pack them up for you and you take them home and you don't have to cook that night or that entire week so uh, pretty awesome stuff support this tremendous place ginger graham who is a great supporter of ramnation.com when you go there you will not be disappointed it's an awesome awesome place so all right michael uh thanks everybody for listening as always go rams go rams